0: Last few uh, weeks, we have been talking about the body of Christ, and we are. Go- I'm going to continue this this area this morning, uh, talking about there's no competition in the body of Christ. But really, if I just uh, recap a little bit quickly, it, when you look at one Corinthians 12, there's actually really essentially two main points, and I think Tim has been and Jimmy have, have been really preaching on on those points. The first point is. We are, as the church, as the body of Christ, extremely diverse. Okay, Extremely diverse. But we are all contributing equally to the body of Christ. That's the main thing which is really important. And the second thing which is really, really important is to understand that the ultimate goal of the body of Christ is unity and love. Okay? Unity and love within the body so between us but as well with Christ himself and with God himself so that we would have the same spirit that we would be united with Christ which is our who is our head our groom and because of the unity we would display the manifold wisdom of God and reflect the love that we can even see in the trinity itself see that's the beauty the beauty of this passage of 1 Corinthians 12 now, reading the whole chapter, you might think, yeah, it's great, but I really wonder how unity is even possible. Yeah, that's a question, a valid question. But the answer comes at the end of the chapter 12, going into the chapter 13. Because here Paul writes, And yet, I will show you the most excellent way, love. Love is the indispensable ingredient. We cannot achieve unity in the body if if we don't love. And that's what chapter 13 is about, love. That's the ingredient. That's the thing that will make, uh, I was going to say, that's that's what will make the sauce good. (laughs) But that's what, you know, going to work, you know. If you don't have love, you cannot have unity in the body. That's what it works. God is love. You know, And we reflect that, and love will make the body work. Now, if we are looking closely, and that's what I'm doing this morning, at verse 21 and 22, three, and 24, you could see there are real struggles in the body. So we're not denying that sometimes it's not easy, okay? And I'll put the verses there, uh, 21 to 26 actually, you know, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts uh, of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable and are treated with special modesty, etc. And basically, God then encourages us to really not have any division in the body. But that every part should have equal concern for each other's. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Okay, you can see there again the theme of unity, but sometimes they are struggles. So imagine, imagine. You know when the eyes says to the feet, I don't need you. It's kind of, equal. it's kind of saying, mm, I'm better than you, I'm superior than you. Um, I have the higher ground there, and you, well, I don't need you. Well, it's easy for the other part to feel, oh, okay, well, then I'm not needed, or I'm inferior, or I'm weaker. Yes, you could see the struggle here. And there could be processes sometimes in the churches which are not right, where we give honor, we give honor to specific people, or specific role, or position, and not to everyone. Yeah. And that's not right neither, okay? And God urges us to not do that, and actually to almost give more honor to the thing that doesn't seem to be that great, okay? What I would like to say, and this morning I think is really the main point. Actually, as soon we start to think like that, oh, this is better, this is not great, or oh, I'm under, I'm over, or oh, this position is better, I wish I was doing this, I wish I was doing that, but I'm just doing this. As soon as you think like that, division is introduced in the body of Christ. Yes. Right there, the enemy has neutralized the whole body by divining it. Right there. Because his strategy is making you believe that you are not worth. So he's attacking your identity and he goes straight into the answer. Yeah, yeah. Who are you anyway? Yeah? It's a strategy of the enemy. And he will break our unity. He will break our unity. You see, there's not meant to be any comparison and any competition in the body of Christ. It was not meant to be. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. It is a big over shock because honestly as we're growing up we feel that we are in competition you know in a competition all the time you go to school and you are ranked and you know and you go a top set or bottom set and you you, you go to, to, to job inter- interviews and you are in competition yes so this is a revolutionary idea that actually our father, care for us individually, we are unique and uniquely made and there's not meant to be any competition about it. How about that? So let me uh, look at competition and comparison. Actually, if you look uh, in the Bible very closely, comparison and competition is a result of the fall. There was no competition and comparison where Adam and Eve were connected directly to the Father it appeared when they disconnected, that when there was a disconnection because of sin. Okay? And interestingly speaking, you, so you've got the fall happening in Genesis. And chapter 4, straight after, you have the story of Cain and Abel. Is that the right pronunciation? Yeah. So right after that, you have the story of two brothers who compete. And actually, Cain kills his brother out of jealousy and anger. And what happened there is they both um, offered um, a sacrifice to God and God favored Abel. Now, Cain, instead of thinking, oh, oh, what what happened there, Father? And go to God and reconnect to God and say, God, what what is in my heart that you didn't favor my offering? Instead of going vertical and say, God, how can I be more connected to you? Cain went horizontal. He looked at his brother Abel and said, "Ah, that's not fair! Ah, I cannot believe this! Why on earth is he getting more than me?" And he got jealous to the point that, out of anger, he killed him. Right there, chapter four. Can you see competition is a result of the fall, Is a, of sin, uh, is a re- result of sin. It was not meant to be. Competition and comparison belongs to often. Orphan hearts. Okay? Orphans are disconnected from their father and that's what they do. They like compete for finding favors. Orphan hearts compete for resources, for positions, for opportunities because they think there's not enough to go around. They don't believe in God the Father who is so good. They don't believe that God has plenty for them. That He will be generous. That He is for them. That He will bless them. That He will provide whatever happens. Can you see how it works? So, often, they sit around and they're thinking, ah, if this person get the blessing, or if this person get the job, that means there's less for me. Because they think that They don't think resources are unlimited. They think there's scarcity of resources and that we're all competing to get. Can you see that? Yeah? Yeah. So, if this person gets blessed, oh, why? Why it's not me? And will it really, really happen to me? Instead of saying, ah, Father, you have unlimited resources and I know you for me. You are going to come through. I'm going to rejoice with my brother. You see, the unity, I'm going to rejoice with my brother who got the promotion. Because one day it will be my turn. I will get this promotion. Because God, you are good. You see? And actually, in Luke 15, we see the story of two brothers who do that again. Like, you know, um, Cain and Abel. We see the story of the prodigal son and the elder brother. Do you remember that story? Yeah? Yeah? And the reaction of the elder brother is really, really interesting. When the father is suffering to see the prodigal son coming home, he throws out a party, yeah? And he keeps the it literally keeps the the best best calf, okay, to have a party. And the elder son goes, literally, I'm gonna read, he says, Well, I cannot believe you you killed the best calf for this rotten son of yours. And really I've been the good one. I've done everything right, I work hard for you and you never even gave me a good just for me to party with my friends. Jealousy, all right? And he compares himself to, again, horizontal. He compares himself to the brother who just returned. Yeah. Well, this is the answer of the father, really interesting. He says, but you are always with me yours. You see, the elder uh, son completely missed the point. He missed the point that if he had been connected to his father, he would have realized that everything his father had is his. And actually, he could have, any time of the day, (coughs) of the year, he could have gone to his father and said, Father, I really would love to throw a party for for my... For my friends. Can I please go and kill the the cow? And the father said, Yeah, of course, everything I have is yours. Can you see? He missed the point. That there was plenty for him. Instead, it slaved, it slaved, disconnected to his father and got jealous of his brother. Rather than connect with his father and, and, you know, ask and receive from the generosity of his father. You see, I do believe that comparison and competition will paralyze you paralyze you in your destiny it will prevent you to be all who God called you to be and as well sometimes it will push you in the wrong direction yeah. if you are born a foot okay and you desire and you want to be a brain because you think in your head it's better to be a brain or somebody told you it's, it's better to be a brain, or society told you it's better to be a brain, or your parents are telling you it's better to be a brain. But you force yourself to be somebody you are not. What happens is it has absolutely <coughs> tremendous disastrous effect. Because all your life you strive to be someone you're not. Okay? And at best you will get there, but you won't be the best brain because you're not called to be the best brain. When you could be an amazing foot and go really, 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 really far with that. You know? And so you're striving and it's not productive for you, it's not fruitful for you. And it's extremely painful because as well, you could fail and then feel like you you're a failure when you're not. You just haven't understood your real identity. Yeah. ask Jimmy how it feel when he tries to do DIY <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's give up now so y- you know y- you can you have to realize who you are you have to realize who you are and be the best 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 at that you know uh, it, I was I was watching a TV show and um uh, there it, uh, it, it was a character and it was quite a sad uh, storyline and the, the guy was 46 and he just found out he, has, he was dying literally with stage four cancer there was nothing no one could ever do and he, he turns to his best friend in tears and says wow I'm 46 and I've never made my own choice all the choices I've have made have been either to please my parents or in reaction to them and I thought, wow, this is amazing because I think a lot of us do that at some point in our lives. How many of us push through things because we're not <coughs> secure in our identity, so we react to what others think or do. And we try to please parents or teachers or friends or family without pressure, wherever the pressure are. And we put pressure on ourselves, pressure inwards or pressure outwards, cause us to basically strive to actually not be who we really, really call to be. So it's why it's very important to get rid of comparison and competition. Comparison and competition will also prevent you to have a go at new things. Because uh, you would perceive that, oh, you're not good enough, so you, you, you might not have a go at something that is new. Or you'd not be willing to take risks. You might not even step out on an adventure with God. Because you're thinking, oh, why trying? So and so is doing it already or is doing it better than me. So I'm not going to step out now. Yeah? So it's paralyzing you. Even in the core that you are. Do you know, uh, because, you know, let, 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 you know uh, we, we're taking the example of the fruit and, and the bread and think. but it could be that you're an amazing food, but God is saying, that I've got more for you. Now you could be like an amazing whatever in the body. Yes, it's not static, it's not that you're just born. and You know, God gives us gifts and he grows us in maturity, and we can grow in the body of Christ. Uh, I remember very, very distinctively... A few years ago, I think it was four, four years ago, God was speaking to me about painting. And really, I love drawing and I love all artistic things, but you know, I was in a family where, well, you had to do something useful. You had to study something useful. So I became an economist, right? And I didn't really push very much my drawing and etc. But four years ago, it was really strange. I really wanted to paint again and draw. And everywhere I went, in every environment, people without knowing me prophesy, are you painting? Because I see God, you know, I mean, it happened at least three times and every time I went like, no, <laughs> what on earth, you know? It was, and I, it was a bit weird and, and a bit annoying as well, because I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a slow learner sometimes. So after the third time, I'm thinking, okay, God, you're talking to me, right? So I just had this little dialogue with God saying, you want me to paint? So I say, but yeah, that's how I created you, creative. Where is that? So I say, okay, got, got, the, got the message, got So And then I'm paralyzed. Because honestly, I mean, I don't know you, but you know, when you turn around 40, you, you know kind of where you are good and where you're not good, yeah? You, you've learned. So I'm like thinking, well, I know where I am good at. Why am I going to start painting? I feel a bit vulnerable, you know. I know where he's a good artist, and you want me to start painting. And when I start painting... I'm looking at my painting and thinking, "Oh, wow, well, not great." So you try, you start to compare yourself and you paralyze and you don't want to have a go until the day I had to let it go and say to God, "Whoa, you spoke to me, and and I am your child and I am creative. So guess what? I'm going to enjoy the process and I'm going to go on an adventure with you and I'm going to have fun as I'm learning." And I'll give myself permission to fail at it. Because as I'm doing it, I'm gonna get better. And I'm not gonna compare myself because I'm gonna paint like no one else painting. That's it, it's gonna be me, that's all. And suddenly then I was able to experience and start experiment, I always get that one wrong, and then, uh, and then have a go. So you see, you must get rid of compa- uh, comparison and competition. <coughs> if you don't get rid of comparison and competition, the body won't be able to work properly. Because we all need to be connected with Him. Knowing who we are in Him. Secure in Him. Knowing how good God is. Knowing that He wants our fulfillment. That He wants our satisfaction in life. Knowing that there's plenty for us. And knowing that we will be fruitful in it. because. He has promised so. Yeah? Now, comparison and competition is affecting us as individuals, but it is as well affecting us as a body dy- dynamically. Okay? It will, because if it infiltrates the church, that is the body that does not function properly. Okay? So let me to- talk to you about us as a collective, as a body. Okay? Do you know that when you read your Bible, you are affected by your culture? Do you know that? Yes? So we all read the the Bible and we will have an interpretation that is actually affected by our cultural lenses. I'll give you a really quick example. Um, You know, the Bible was uh, written in uh, Middle Eastern culture. Yeah? You know that? Uh, and we are, you know, some of you are, I mean, when I look at this room, that's not so true. But for the Western European, right, we are much more individualistic than, than, than other cultures. Yes? And especially Middle Eastern. So we will read the, the Bible and, yes, it's all about me and I'm <laughs> saved, and my individual salvation. And as long as I'm improving myself, it's all good. That's how some Western Christian would think. Yes? But in uh, Middle Eastern, they had no doubt that the salvation of the Bible was a community thing. So it's me, be saved, my family, my community, the whole thing, yeah? So we are affected by our cultural lenses, the way we, we interpret things and see things. And actually, for the body of Christ, there is a cultural lens. Most of you at work, will work in an organization which is shaped like a hierarchy. Yes? True or not? Amen! If you don't know where is a hierarchy, it's like a pyramid structure where there's one boss at the top and that boss has the power and set the vision and the goal of the organization and then it cascades down, okay, until the bottom where people um, don't have power but work hard, uh, do what they've been told to do, and they work hard to fulfill the role of that company. And in the middle, you have the you know, uh, middle manager, and they're responsible for areas, but they still answer to the people above, above themselves, do you, yeah? Everybody knows that, right. You see, we tend to think that the church works like that, because everywhere in the world, it's like that. Especially when we actually read in the Bible, Jesus is the head and he has all authority. So we say, oh, okay, I know that one. Jesus is the head and he has got all authority. So that's a hierarchy. Church is a hierarchy. And actually, if we looked very carefully in the Bible, it's not working like a hierarchy. And I'm going to demonstrate to you. Actually, if we think the church is a hierarchy, we misunderstand how things are working in the kingdom. Jesus himself said he was the servant king, yeah? And actually, he shook a lot of the thinking at the time, saying that the one who fixed say, the first, they should be the last, and what, yeah? And there's one of these verses here where the, the disciples were competing with each other and saying, yeah, who can be the greatest in the heaven? Who will sit next to Jesus, Yeah. And Jesus, this is the answer of Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28. He said, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the high official exercised authority over them. Hierarchy, right? Okay? They've got the power. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, just as I, did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Yeah, he is the servant king. His ruling is not over us, it's I'm laying down my life that you will see how much I love you, Then you will follow me out of love, not out of rules and control. Out of love. You will choose to follow me because His banner over us is love. So in the kingdom, the goal is unity and love. We don't get people that boast around other people. That's not exact, That's not existing. We get people who look after each other by loving each other. And we follow the model of Christ who laid down his life. See, the kingdom works more like this. Okay, if you don't like graphs, stay with me. I promise, it's gonna be easy. <laughs> All right, the kingdom of uh, works really like this Jesus is the head because he loves us, but he's the foundation of the church and he released the flow of life because he has all authority. He released the flow of life and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Okay, that's what he does. And then the Holy Spirit does give the, the gift of the Spirit. So that the church will grow in maturity. And Jesus does give uh, ministries to the church and leadership. Leadership is still there. There is leadership. He gives leadership so that they would serve the body. That they will lay down their life themselves to serve the body and equip them. Those people, they are not more. They are just there to equip you, to equip the body. Okay? So, so the evangelist... He's giving you fire to speak to your neighbor. That the prophet uh, help you to learn how to hear God for yourself. That the pastor help you to learn how to understand the Bible. That the apostle would really give the blueprint of heaven. That we all know what our mission is on earth. So the whole body together release the kingdom of God. The whole body has authority to heal the sick, etc., etc. Can you see how it works? That's how the kingdom of God uh, works. So we all find our place by serving in the body. And we all grow in anointing and gifts. So it's not a static thing. We all grow in anointing. We can desire more. We can desire more. We can grow for more. But our motivation, all of us, is we love Jesus. We love Jesus, that's why we do it. We're not doing it because somebody is prickling us with a stick. We're doing it because we love Jesus. And we're in it together and we love the vision of the church so much that we want to go on the journey. Yeah? It does not look like this. If my clicker works, here we go. It does not look like that. It does not look like Jesus is the head of the church, so he's the boss. So, he's choosing a person to be the boss, and he's establishing church, that person established church, and then uh, in that church, there would be bosses who establish the vision of the church, and we all have to follow the vision. I'm not saying there's no leadership, yeah? Hear me out. I'm not saying there's no leadership, because there's validity in leadership, and God gives leaders. Okay, so that's the grace. That's grace to the church. Leaders are are grace to you, but they're not there to boss you around. Okay, and actually, in a matter of fact, can I ask who likes being uh, uh, bossed around in this room? Show of hand. (laughs) Who likes being bossed around? (laughs) You like it? Okay, (laughs) come for deliverance afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. No one. If we're honest, no one likes being bossed around, really. And I think, if, when, if we're honest, when we are bossed around, there's two reactions. It's like, oh, I'm going to A, um, a um, okay, I'm not going to be part of this because I don't like being bossed around, yeah? Or B, the other thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to become a boss myself. Yeah? So that could be a reaction okay so can you see the competition working its way there in this organization this organization is the best model for competition and comparison because you always think you can climb the ladder so if you're at the bottom you're thinking oh my gosh oh my gosh when I'm going to get to make the decision right here? so how can I be at the top of that pyramid yeah and then I can assure you when you're at the top of the pyramid say oh my gosh oh my gosh where can I Yes, can you see what I'm saying? So a hierarchical organization create competition and we look vertical uh, because we're not connected to God straight almost and we, we, we're just looking at what the leaders is telling us to do and we, we want to, to go up the ladder. Can you can you see what I'm saying? Yes, I hope I explain uh, fine. This system has the potential, I'm not saying all the time, but it has the potential to produce a lot of unsatisfied people. Because you're like, yeah, you're competing and you're thinking, wow, the only solution is that I'm going up the ladder. Uh, When actually, all we should be all thinking is, I need to grow in favor and anointing, like described in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. I need to grow in the gift of the Spirit and, and in love. Okay? That's possible in there. So that's what you need to think. Say, actually, yes, God can trust me with more. I can come for leadership. That's because I'm growing in favor and anointing because I'm connected to God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah? So, in this structure, you could become quite frustrated uh, uh, because you, you, you're competing. Now, another thing that this system is, is doing, which is really uh, quite hard, is it, potentially the system can kill your capacity to, to dream and run with God's purpose. Because what's going to happen is, if you get used to the idea, and some people love that, okay, some people love that. <laughs> if you get used to, to the idea that, oh, it's okay, I don't have to think, I'm just doing what the leaders told me to do do that a little bit, do that a long time, you will lose your own capacity to dream. Yeah? And we know that God loves dreamers and when we are connected to God, the first thing he does, it gives us dreams. Can you see what I'm saying? So, in this system, you could end up thinking, wow, I don't even need, I don't even need to hear God for myself. Because the leader's telling me what to do when he's hearing God anyway. I mean, let, let me tell you, it's okay when you're a baby spiritually. But when you grow, growing in maturity means I'm connected to God. I'm here for myself. God can entrust me with dreams. Can you see? I have a purpose. I have a destiny with him. And, and another thing that could happen in this system is sometimes you can dream potentially, but then you might think, ah, ah, where do I fit this dream? Because the structures are so constructive. Ah, you know, I've got these leaders over me, and you know, I don't know if I can do what what I'm supposed to do. So, you see, in this structure, the motivation is actually control. I mean, I'm not saying you can't love Jesus, okay? I'm not saying some church are functioning like that and they don't love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. You can love Jesus, but then in the some time, be motivated by control. by what the leader thinks or what they want you to do. Rather than be connected to God. Rather than be connected to God. Knowing that he is building his church. And rather than growing together with your brothers and sisters, growing in vision and maturity, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can you see the difference? Can you see the difference? Going back to our passage a little bit, we are all indispensable. We are all indispensable. We are all worthy, all worthy to find our place. He created us for a purpose. He created us unique. He loves you. He has got a plan for you. So it's about finding who we are in Him. It's about growing in maturity for His glorious purpose, for the mission that we are in together. That's not even by you individually, may I say? It's about us together, growing together, finding out what is our mission on earth. Yeah? Uh, and it's important we understand that because some of you may have received prophetic words from your life. Yeah? And you're thinking, Oh, how are they gonna become true? When am I gonna become this? Well, I'm telling you, that is not by competing with each other and thinking you can climb the ladder. It's about being connected to God and growing in favor and anointing. And He will, He will make room for you. You will get your opportunity. Because He's good. And He has called you. Yeah? It's all about loving Him and obeying Him. Surrendering to Him. And this is well, I also think, to be honest, that we will have a couple of surprises when we get into heaven because uh, when uh, Jesus is going to hand out the rewards, I think some people are going to receive such a stack of reward, and you will think, what? So and so, all I... I'm putting little brackets there, yeah? All I've seen them to do in church is this. And then Jesus gives them like... The massive reward because basically at that point you've been blind to see that actually they were amazing in what they released in the church and they were faithful and actually you didn't know but wow they did so much even outside of the church and they did this and they released that and they loved Jesus so much which is our first called yes So to finish, let me encourage you to get on a journey where you get rid of comparison and competition. Wow, it really starts by reconnecting as a son and daughter of the mighty God. And Jimmy is going to lead us a little bit into an encounter for that. It's about repenting of our old thinking and say, Father, Father, I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are. Connect in worship, spirit to spirit. Connect with him in worship. I cannot enough recommend to do a sozo. If you've ever done a sozo with your inner healing ministry, I can't ever recommend more to you to do that. But because honestly, when I did a sozo, it completely changed. It unlocked in me things that were blocked in how I understood my Father, you know, my Heavenly Father. So I cannot not recommend enough to do a social if you, if you have the opportunity, right? Because it will really unlock things in your heart. And then as well, renew your mind. You are not called to work, strive and climb a ladder. There is no ladder in the church. There is no ladder in the church. You are called to manifest the love of the Father. That's what you are called to do. the the love of the Father and release the kingdom. That's all you've got to do. And you know, um, we were praying just before um, upstairs and I had this picture of, I could see this room and I could see hundreds of little balloons with weight attached going up. And I just feel prophetically, I believe that this morning, you can let go of your burden. Let them go give them to God. Those lies that you've been believed, oh, I must be like this. Let it go. My mom and dad told me I should be doing that. What? Let it go. My friends say a negative word about who I am. Let it go. Because you want to have a heaven heaven's perspective. All this little thing, niggly thing of comparison or competition. I can see them lifting in spirit. So I'm just gonna declare that over you. In the name of Jesus, we say, Jesus, freedom, there's freedom in your name. We want to follow your assessment, your assessment, and we break the power of competition and comparison in this place. We pray for the unity of Christ to come. We pray for the unity of Christ. We pray for every member to be honored, to be valued, to be cherished, to be loved by this community in the name of Jesus. Amen.